Hello, and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. Hi, I'm Mara Davis, media maven, talent booker, and political enthusiast. And I am Terry Anelowitz, House District from Smyrna, Georgia. House Representative. I can't even speak anymore. That's where we are. We <laughs> Monday's day 39. It's day 39, people. I'm lucky that I'm speaking in somewhat complete sentences. Okay, well, Senator Jen Jordan Emeritus. Emeritus, is that what it is? Emeritus. Um, she is on assignment uh, at the time we are recording this. So yeah, we, we have a big budget, so we send her on assignment. <laughs> You're actually going to, you'll see more about that or hear about that later. And we'll be talking about that on a later episode of the Vote Her podcast. So as Terry mentioned, you are worn out, but you're getting close to signy die where everybody throws up the papers in the air. It really does look fun when you see videos of that. It, yeah, I'm actually personally not a big paper thrower. I'll throw a little bit, but like, yay. <laughs> but I always think about, you know, I, I don't like clutter. <laughs> I don't like mess. I don't want like piles of torn paper. Like around 1130 at night, you start hearing people tearing at paper and they've got big piles of torn paper on their desk. I'm like, I got enough on my desk. Like, we got to agree, disagree as I try to keep everything in order. And the desks are really tiny. And I just, I can't do the clutter. And It's so. just that visual. You always see the picture of the newspaper the next oh, yeah. day of like everybody throwing up the paper in the air. Like, you know, it's like it's graduation or it's like confetti and it looks like fun. Yeah, and I actually don't know if other states do anything like that. Do they? Or I, don't, do I don't think so. I feel like we'd see more pictures. I don't know. what Honestly, what I look at when I look at pictures from other state legislative chambers, I look at their chairs. <laughs> so many states have much nicer chairs. Our chairs are historically accurate reproductions, uh, but a lot has happened in chair technology in the past 150 years. Yes. So I, I spent a lot of time looking longingly at the chairs and other chambers. So I haven't noticed torn paper. <laughs> Maybe it's there. But the chairs, yeah, I, th I think a lot about the chairs. Wow, that's something we should do a deep dive about on a later episode. I don't even, and then we'd have to like have a sub episode about the committee room chairs. The Senate has very nice chairs in their committee rooms. The House chairs, I could tell, we could have a whole episode <laughs> about the chairs. Wow. Yeah. This is intense. I like this it's look under the gold dome, uh, the chair version. I think you ought to get a, a story on this. Like we, the, let's call Donna Lowry. I mean, they have to update those chairs, right? Because after a while, like they're not the same chairs from like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. How often? Yeah, like, they are 100% the same chairs from are. 10 or 20 years ago. So, but like, yes. but, but eventually there has to be a replacement, like a wheel falls off or like, you know, a butt indentation. It's, you can't even, like, if you want to adjust the height in your chair, you have to flip it over and, like, twirl it like you're unscrewing, like a piano, like an old, I'm doing, I'm demonstrating this, but it's like a, like an old-fashioned piano bench. If you grew up in a house or your granny had a, like, your meemaw had a piano bench and you would spin around so much and then all of a sudden the lid to the bench would just come off. Wow, they're That's that, a, they're that, oh, isn't there, well, this is, like, this is, we are really. We've got, taking a deep, deep it's dive already. Deep cut here. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to what. What's going on with rural hospitals, <sighs> Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones, and a Republican a bicker fest? Like this is, you're getting down to the wire. Explain what's going on and what do you think? We are down to the wire and the issues that are causing the most conflict at the Capitol right now, especially because Senate Bill 140, which we're going to be talking about in a bit, 
since that was signed by the governor yesterday, now the issues are the super controversial ones between Republicans and I mean, Democrats also, but it's the Republicans who are duking this out. And it's, it's between the House and the Senate chamber, but it's also between factions of Republicans. So you have a couple of issues. And one of the big ones happening here has to do with CON or certificate of need. This is a, this is like tort reform. It's something that comes up every single year at the Capitol. There's a lot of talk about it, but really not a lot has been done. And certificate of need is something that a hospital, in order to open up a hospital, you have to have a certificate of need, basically certifying that there's a need for that hospital. You're not going to be poaching patients from another hospital that could then force the hospital to potentially close, that, you know, indigent patients are going to be covered. That's the, and, you know, that's one of the, that was when Cancer Treatment Centers of America op- opened up in south of Atlanta uh, near Peachtree City several years ago. There was a big CON fight because they're a private hospital. They don't take Medicaid patients, so a lot of the other hospitals in the area were worried that now they were going to be stuck with all of the patients who were only on Medicaid and patients with insurance were all going to go to cancer treatment centers. It was a big, it's an issue that always causes a lot of consternation. And right now, the CON issue has to do specifically with the fact that the lieutenant governor's dad owns some land that apparently he wants to put a hospital on, but this hospital would need a CON, and I don't think it would be able to get the CON. And so maybe just do away with the whole CON thing so that your dad can put a hospital on his land. It seems very shady because I think the way it's being framed, Terry, and tell me if I'm reading the tea leaves here, where it does seem, listen, anytime you've got someone in a position of power and they want to do their thing on their family's land and they're, you know, the lieutenant governor, you're already like, Okay, shady. But then on the other hand, they're spinning it like, well, this hospital is needed in this area and it's a good thing for the community and we're like blessing Butts County with this. So so is it somewhere in the middle or, you know, where are we? It's unusual to, I feel like it's unusual to see something this blatant. Like this, like, well, we want a hospital my dad happens to own that land. There's no doubt that we need more hospitals in rural, rural Georgia, but because we know that these resources are finite, we got to, you know, part of, I think, the intent of the CON process, which I'm not saying is without flaw, but part of that process is saying, you know, is this going to be the most effective place? Will we make sure we're having the most reach? Or is it just because you want to sell the land to this company that wants to put a hospital there? So it's normally... I feel like I see the youths talking a lot about Nepo babies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just, well, listen, my, I, I, to me, Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones will always be a fake elector. And, you know, he can make a campaign ad about rescue dogs, but we still, I, I don't forget that he tried to overturn a free and fair election. So that leads to a theory that I have had percolating in my brain. All right, let's hear for it. For a day or so. And- you know, you've got this hospital thing and the CON thing. This was not an issue that came up at the beginning of the session. It's not like truck weights where it's been like this. It was a slow burn to what, in, you know, what is intensified with the Senate basically neutering the version of the bill that passed that. It's not like that where we knew this was coming and where there's been hours and hours and hours and hours of hearings over the course of the entire 40 legislative days. This is something that has really propelled itself into urgency the past week, the last week of session. So wait, did they just sneak it in like 
we got to get this in last minute. Uh, I don't know it was necessarily snuck in. They're like, this is what we're going to do. And, and, it, and it happens to be happening at the last minute. And it happens to be when the Senate is also, uh, the Senate Republicans, to be specific, are being very difficult about the mental health bill that is very important to the Republican Speaker of the House and really important to everyone in the House. It passed almost unanimously from the House. It's something that we all recognize in the House is a very important thing to do to continue making progress and chipping away at how we address mental and behavioral and addiction health issues in Georgia. So there is now this hospital thing in the CON, and it is very blatant. And one of the things I'm wondering, something else happened too with the truck weights bill. Somebody said to me last week, yeah, did you hear that petroleum trucks got put into the truck weights bill? I was like, as a matter of fact, I haven't. But that is super interesting considering that Burt Jones's father and their fortune comes in large part from oil. this petroleum company. And it's not an oil company like Shell or like, you know, BP. It's like, it's a... It's a, they own like gas stations. And so you're getting all of this fuel to, it's more like it's not, they're not drilling for oil. Nobody, there is zero oil is drilled for in Georgia, actually. There are no oil mm-hmm. wells in Georgia. So um, they bet, so what you're saying is they stand to benefit this from this in more ways than one. Right. So it's like, yeah. So like, okay, you're, so now you want petroleum trucks in there. Well, that's convenient given that your dad owns a petroleum truck company. All these things that anybody else, I mean, you, someone might try to be like a little sneaky or a little subtle. And these things are like, this is as subtle as an anvil to the head. So it's like, well, what is he trying to do? Is it because maybe he's trying to get as much done as he can before the Fulton County grand jury report Ooh, is released? Oh. That's my theory. Yeah. Oh, it's, wow. That's a that's interesting. So, but wait, wasn't yeah. he recused though? Did, well, he, no, he was... He didn't have to be called himself. He couldn't be subpoenaed himself. But we've known from the beginning, we talked about this from Tamar on on the show when we talked to Tamar, anything that anybody else said about Burt Jones is perfectly admissible. Wow, that's interesting. And, well, that's interesting. Well, listen, I don't trust that guy. I'm sorry. So, like, the, so that's just my theory. Uh, you it's like, know, it's, and it's also like, and I'm sure maybe, you know, because I listen, I've heard a lot of people say nice things about him, that he's a nice, affable guy. But listen. Oh, that's absolutely true. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, dude, you know better. You were in the cult and then you got elected lieutenant governor and now we're and look we all know in politics there's shady deals going on behind closed doors republican and democrat right okay we know this but there's something a lot more sinister i think here that something in the milk ain't clean well and the other part of this is that the governor you know the governor is not usually super, super directly involved in the legislative process, except for when he is, like when he came down to the House chamber on the last day of session last year and was like, by the way, we got to protect our youth sports. And so then we have, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's, it's just, yeah, we got it. But he is very involved in this because meanwhile, the state of Georgia has been negotiating. You know, there, there are only a few medical schools in Georgia. There is Mercer, there's Morehouse, there's Emory. And the only state... Me- like public medical school, state is is Augusta and Medical College of Georgia at oh, Augusta right. University. And there's something there with Wellstar. With Wellstar, right. so they are, and and it's been in the news the past couple of days that the state had previously made overtures to both Northside and to Piedmont. I believe, I believe it was Northside and Piedmont to say, well, you guys are y'all interested in coming in and taking over the because the, the, there's a health system. It's not they wouldn't be taking over the medical school. MCG would still be part of of the Georgia University system. But this would be the health center 
that is, you know, like the Medical College of Georgia, the Augusta Regional, how, I can't remember the specific name of that, but it would be the medical center affiliated with the university where these people learn how to be doctors and where you have this, it's actually, a, you know, a great hospital by all accounts. So you've got those negotiations happening and that's a really important thing that the governor, and we know that especially now knowing that they had previously made overtures to Piedmont and Northside who both demurred from taking this on. So Wellstar wants to do this. Well, meanwhile, a lot of people at the Capitol from both stores, this is like a telenovela at this point. Yeah. A lot of people from yeah, the Capitol yeah, yeah, on, both, yeah. on both parties are upset with Wellstar because they closed Atlanta Medical Center right. very abruptly. Yes. Uh, and that upset, again, a ton of people. So sometimes when you upset someone at the Capitol and that person you upset has a lot of power, there might be legislation that is specifically targeting you. And that happened here. Meanwhile, there was a bill um, that could take away Wellstar's well, it would take away the tax-exempt status of any health, you know, health system that closed a hospital. Well, of course, everybody knew that meant Wellstar. Mm-hmm. Um, that could jeopardize well, the state's it, negotiations. But, but here's something else that happened with they didn't realize. Because again, when you're doing something in haste and you're doing something to, to stick it to one person, there might be some collateral damage. In this case, CHOA, the Children's Healthcare System, who is technically closing Eggleston because they're opening their much bigger, newer facility. So this law would also take away CHOA's tax exempt I mean, status, which nobody wants to do. Nobody, like nobody wants that. No. Someone I've experienced a lot over there and that is a gem of the state. Right. So they're like, uh, hey guys, you know that this would screw us too. So it's a really, it's, it's so, it's, it seems it's, so dirty, it's, right? It's messy and it's yeah. sloppy. I'm sorry. If you were re- drafting legislation to target one person and you inadvertently also would potentially be stripping children's healthcare of Atlanta of their tax Exempt status that is sloppy. Yeah, it's just it's just I don't know. This seems kind of stinky and kind of like well, I mean, it's just crazy how the, the infighting. It's like Republican on Republican crime. It is. It is. And the, yeah, there's a, what's that saying? Like when when elephants fight, it's the ants who suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm getting deep now. But again, I'm like my theory is like, <laughs> is it like if you take your kid to the candy store and you're like, all right, you have ten minutes. Blank check. Well, that's what's... It's, okay, so this is all so interesting. I want to go back to you, your Burt Jones, uh, uh, Fulton County DA theory, because that is heating up. And as we know, like in the past couple of days, you know, it, there's all these cases coming at Trump and it seems like the Fulton County one is the hottest. I mean, it is, is the, most, I, I, the most important one. Do you think, and I know this may be a better legal question for Jen, but like, I wonder if like um, the... the the New York talks to Georgia, talks to the other one to say, you know what, we're going to do this because, you know, we, we need to decide which one is more important. Yeah, that I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea. Um, I don't, That's a good question though, right? It's a good question. I have no idea. And again, my whole theory, it, it is nothing but that. It is a theory. It is my opinion. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. But that is my, I was like, oh, I wonder if that might be what it is. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that that's good for for anybody. Uh, no. So it's going to be a very interesting, this podcast drops on Monday, which is Legislative Day 39. Then we have Legislative Day 40 and We'll see how all this comes to a head and what the collateral damage is going to be, especially in terms of the budget and especially in terms of what we're trying to do with mental health wow. in Georgia. Wouldn't that be crazy if Burt Jones is one of those people who's recommend, who's, you know, 
And because no one's going to get indicted after the Fulton County one. It's they're just going to give their recommendations. Right, right. They're so, just giving their recommendations. But that's crazy. All right, well, we'll keep our eyes on it. I mean, it's just, it just, it just sucks the stupid things that are being focused on. And, you know, well, we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, in other news, um, there have been... Uh, some other stories. This is, I am fascinated by this, and I wonder if Georgia Republicans are going to get into uh, Ron DeSantis coming to town. Um, did, like, I, what do you think? I think they're going to be so excited. I hear from a lot of folks who are like, Ron DeSantis, if you don't like Trump, you should love Ron DeSantis. I'm like, why? He's horrible. And he, I mean, this, this is the first, inappropriately. It's, it's the first um, indication that, like, but that, but, but, but here's what I wonder because. You know, he and Trump are fighting so much. So what, what are those Georgia Republicans going to do? Like, are we going to see, uh, are we going to see my friend Kelly Leffler there with DeSantis? Are we going to see like the top, is Kemp going to go to this? That's what's going to be so interesting is who are we going to see there? Because it, are we going to see Brian Kemp who went to Davos? Are we going to see Brian Kemp who signed the trans kid bill? Yeah. Like that, you know, which Brian Kemp are we going to see? Because... This is a state, again, we've got a Republican governor and we've got two Democratic senators. And the message we've, I feel like if there was a takeaway from that, it's that Georgians are a little bit more towards the middle. They don't really like the extremes. And we had extreme, you know, like from the Senate races, especially, that was a case of extremes. I mean, uh, <laughs> we're not going to well, Herschel Walker. Those, and actually, and where is Herschel Walker? Right, and Warnock's not extreme, but Walker is extreme. So, like, when I'm saying Georgia voters tend, I feel like, to prefer candidates who they do not view, whether or not the candidate even is extreme, it's the candidate they do not, that they, they don't seem to want the candidate who they view as being extreme. And a lot of people viewed Brian Kemp and Raphael Warnock as the less extreme candidate. That's right. But, and but, so, and, and DeSantis is totally extreme. Yeah, this is the, this is, and we all know about all the book banning and all the don't say gay and mm -hmm. all of that. But this is the one we wanted to address before we get to our guests because Florida Bill, this is a headline, ban talk of menstrual cycles in elementary schools. And, and uh, you found this clip, so let's play this. Does this bill prohibit conversations um, about menstrual cycles? Because we know that typically the ages is between 10 and 15. So if little girls experience their menstrual cycle in fifth grade or fourth grade, will that prohibit conversations from them um, since they are in the grade lower than sixth grade? You recognize Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, it would. <laughs> He's like, yeah, it would. Okay, that was Rebel That's exactly what it would Ashley do. Ashley Grant from Florida. Um, that is just amazing to me because I, I don't think he would. So it's like, are, are they saying that if you're a little girl and you're in fourth grade and you get your period and you're bleeding in your pants at school? And listen, I'm, uh, I like to talk about this because it's happened to everybody, especially oh, yeah. when you're young. So you, you're not going to be able to talk about it to your teacher? <laughs> yeah, or can you go, can you talk about it with the school nurse? Can you, I mean, and that's the thing, it's, it's these bills. And again, this is a bill in Florida that's hopefully not going anywhere, but it is concerning that it did get to the point where it received a hearing. Yeah, it's pretty I mean, crazy. And that's the thing, you can, anybody can drop all kinds of crazy bills. And we've had all kinds of bills in Georgia 
that go way beyond any of the stuff that's even we've seen in committee or on the floor, but they don't get a committee hearing. The fact that that bill in Florida even got a committee hearing is, is very just, concerning. I mean, it's between that and like wanting to uh, the 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 statue of David, and there there's a story in the Washington Post about you know your people are it's been there for hundreds of years, and we're upset about seeing a a, a penis. I mean, yeah. you got to be kidding me. I don't understand parents that are so uptight about this. Do they not know? the parts of the body. Well, and what's so fascinating is with everything we know now about how to protect your children from sexual predators and how to keep your children safe from sexual abuse, because we also know that if your child's going to be sexually abused, it's not going to be by some stranger who kidnaps them from a Walmart or a Target. It's almost always, almost always somebody the parent knows. And if you want your child to be able to arm themselves against that, not literally, of course, but it's really like every expert in these areas agree that you have to make sure your kids know accurate terminology, accurate, like your child needs to have the vocabulary they need to one, know what, you know, you know, good touch, bad touch, but also to know like if they're, you know, you don't want your kid to say, well, someone touched my hoo-hoo and the person they're talking to is like, I have no idea what you're talking right. about. It's just, it's, I can't even believe that things are getting so out of control that like, yeah, it's like you this, can't even talk about your menstrual cycle. I mean, it's just, we are in a really, really crazy time. Yeah, it's it, this weird buttoned up puritanical evangelical. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. I don't understand it. And I don't understand how any parent thinks it benefits their child to not talk about the normal things. Periods are a normal thing. Yeah, Boys and, and girls should know about periods because like, I don't know, like my son knows all about periods and all those things because one, he is a straight guy who's gonna, you know, has a girlfriend's gonna be married one day. He's, you need to know those things. And two, you just need to know those things. Well, it's just like basic health. I right. mean, it's like, this isn't like anything provocative here. It's just, it's, it's really- It's not mysterious. Like, it's, it's so the, crazy. Yeah. Uh, and And yet- all of these kids are seeing everything on TikTok anyway, which I wanted to ask you about yeah. that because there's been so much TikTok in the news and there was the hearings about it. And now the state of Utah is like the governor has intervened and they're going to have limits on, you know, like on the one hand, I understand limiting social media for kids because I see the peril in it and what it's done as right. far as body image or this, that, the other thing. But on the other hand, I'm like, have you guys met kids? I will say I don't have TikTok on my phone and my kids don't have TikTok on their phones. Uh, come because, on, Terry. They don't? No. But maybe did they have it and they're not telling you? No, I have to approve all the apps. Like I have the thing. We have the, I cannot bark, but it's like through the, it's all, there's like one, there's one app like ID. Right. Oh. But you don't, you don't think that they're seeing videos. Oh, I'm sure they're seeing videos elsewhere. Like people, oh yeah, for sure. But, yeah. No, but I'm saying they don't have to, and, and the reason we don't have TikTok on our phones is not because like. I don't want them to watch TikTok videos. It's because I actually have questions. I have paused personally about how that all that back, how TikTok is engineered. It I, George Chidi wrote very well about it a couple of years ago, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm oh not, yeah, it's, I'm not it, down with having it, this app on my yeah, phone." And, and, yeah, and 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 also like ByteDance, that company, they treat super their, sketchy, they super sketchy. So yeah, but it is, but it's also I think it's. I think you are a hovering parent and you're a diff, but most parents, and, and I don't mean that in no, a bad like I don't, way. You know, and I don't, I'm I not don't, a life, I, yeah, I'm not a life 360 mom. Let's be clear. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, where's the line of the invasion of privacy or the first amendment or, or the parental rights or parental rights. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. It just seems like some of this stuff that is spoken about when they're referring to kids 
it's they it sounds like that from parents that don't have actual kids who are not in the mix no, of it, what's going on. It reminds me a lot of satanic panic. Right, or it like rem- video games oh, are causing yeah. problems or like, you know, I saw a great quote today about video games, like video games, like people like who play them, like stand, they don't go out. Like they're not doing anything. Right. But it's again, crazy laws. Crazy times. Well, and a tremendous waste of time. Tremendous, which brings us to our next guest. Our guest today is Jeff Graham, who's the executive director from Georgia Equality. And they work to advance fairness, safety, and opportunity for the LBGTQ plus community. And obviously with SB 140 that has been on our minds, we wanted to talk to Jeff because he has been an absolute leader for this cause and for this group for decades. And we are so thrilled to have you on the Vote Her podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Mara. It's it's great to to be here. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is this um, now... A law, SB 140, that was signed by Governor Kemp. Um, And maybe you can explain from your perspective about what this means. Yeah. So, um, first of all, it it, it is just absolutely heartbreaking uh, that uh, that this legislation has been signed into a law. Um, And, uh, you know, through the entire process, it was it was rushed. Um, There was limited testimony. Um, and, uh, you know, while unfortunately that is, that is not all that uncommon, uh, here in, in Georgia, in this instance, it, it was, it was very traumatic to a lot of the families, a lot of the, the youth that will be directly impacted by this bill because, uh, it, it, it allowed for mistruth, misinformation, and outright lies about what gender affirming care is and does, and who transgender kids are, who they aspire to be, and the importance that a loving parent and a supportive medical community mean to the lives of young people. And so, unfortunately, that story was not able to be told and truly able to be presented um, in either chamber as this bill worked its way through. So I just wanted to say that first and foremost, but the, the bill itself that is now a law, um, I provides restrictions on two types of gender affirming care, both of which um, occur in older adolescents. So the first one is surgeries. Um, and let's just be clear, when we talk about surgeries related to gender dysphoria, a, a diagnosed medical condition, um, they, there are, to the best of my knowledge, no institutions that actually provide uh, these types of surgeries um, uh, here in Georgia to minors. Um, and in the instances where they might happen, they are extremely rare, and there are strong medical necessity reasons for them to take place. So I, I just point that out because there's been a lot of talk about genital mutilation on kids and and, and uh, you know, uh, surgeries with children. And, and that's just one of the outright lies and misstatements. The second form of gender-affirming care that this uh, addresses is hormone replacement therapy. And that, again, for older adolescents who have been on puberty blockers, who have had, uh, in most 
instances, years of counseling, uh, work with parents, work with families, work with the kids, uh, work with medical providers, endocrinologists, pediatricians, um, to be on puberty blockers to slow down puberty. At a certain point, um, uh, if they are still committed to living a life um, uh, with the gender identity that is not the sex that they were assigned at birth, to truly aid them in their development, they should be prescribed hormone replacement therapy. So that will allow them to progress a little bit more normally, um, ease into a what is closer to uh, a, a puberty that uh, that everyone goes through um, as they get late in later in their adolescence. That is the procedure that going forward will not be allowed here in Georgia. There is one provision that's incredibly important for parents and youth and medical providers to understand, and that is that anyone who is on hormone replacement therapy or has been prescribed hormone replacement therapy prior to July 1st of 2023, when this law goes into effect, those kids will be grandfathered in. So uh, as much as I am heartbroken about this bill, I do think that that part is important for people to understand, that the adolescents that are already on hormone replacement therapy will be grandfathered in. The other thing that there's a lot of misinformation is that uh, uh, younger adolescents who are on puberty blockers uh, puberty blockers are not affected by the law at this time, and other forms of gender-affirming care, uh, such as the mental health services um, uh, for, for even younger kids, none of that is affected by this law at this time. Is there a concern, Jeff, about what we what we call the chilling effect on health care? And that's, that's a phrase we use a lot, of course, when we're talking about HB 481, the abortion bill. And one of the consequences of that is, for example, even though HB 481 specifically says a physician can treat an, you know, an emergent ectopic pregnancy, um, a lot of, you know, most physicians don't have the time to read legislation when they have somebody coming into their emergency department. And I think there are concerns that there may be the same kind of chilling effect on this gender-affirming care, even if it is simply psychotherapy or psychiatric services or the puberty blockers. Do you have concerns about that kind of a chilling effect that will just cause physicians and caregivers, instead of saying, well, we can do the, you know, we can't do a couple of things, but we can do all of these other things. Do you think instead they might say, well, you know what, we're just going to avoid, I'm going to avoid anything having to do with this because I don't want to be held criminally or civilly liable. Yeah, Terry, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is, that is the other aspect of this bill that's struggling. So the first aspect, let me, you know, I talked about the technical aspects of the bill, but let's be clear. We're, we're all parents should be concerned about this new law that we passed. We now have a law that strips parents from making medical decisions regarding their, their child's care. In this instance, it's, it's gender dysphoria, but that should be of concern to everyone that the legislature just took away your right as a parent to make medical decisions for your child. Um, uh, and, it's, and it is setting a dangerous, dangerous precedent that folks should be concerned about. The chilling effect on the medical community is something that, yes, we are incredibly concerned about. We are concerned about for the reasons that you just mentioned, uh, that there may be a reluctance 
to uh, provide gender affirming care. There may be a, a reluctance to prescribe children with puberty blockers if there is not a clear path forward on how to get them hormone replacement therapy in the future. So already this bill um, will likely have uh, a negative impact on the on the willingness of healthcare providers to follow evidence-based, agreed-upon standards of medical care that are backed up by all major medical associations. So again, uh, a lot of folks see this as kind of something new and different. And while it is an emerging area of science and medicine, uh, it is monitored, it is evaluated, uh, it is closely looked at by medical associations uh, in this country and around the world. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, we're very concerned that it's going to have a chilling uh, effect on providers' willingness to provide this care. But another important point that you, that you mentioned is that uh, language was stripped out at the last minute that uh, provided some level of, of protection to medical providers that were, that were doing this care. And so I, medical providers are now uh, open to potential civil and criminal liability for, uh, for providing gender-affirming care. And so not, I'm not concerned that, I'm not just concerned that this will have a chilling effect for transgender kids and for the practice of gender-affirming care here in Georgia, but we've got a workforce shortage when it comes to a wide variety of healthcare professions, mental health, OBGYN, pediatricians, nursing, who would want to stay or relocate to the state of Georgia if they know that where whatever their area of specialization may be, they might be next um, on the chopping block. Well, we're, we're seeing some of that starting to happen, actually. You know, with the, I read about in northern Idaho, how they're no longer delivering babies. I totally hear what you're saying. I'm curious, uh, Jeff, how many kids and families does this affect in the state of Georgia? As in, you know, here, it, it's so hard to get a bill across the finish line to get the governor to sign it. And here we are, this goes right through, and it seems like this is a, such a big thing that doesn't affect a lot of people. Or does it? Can you clear that up for me? Yeah, no, and, and you know, we, we unfortunately don't have a whole lot of, of data on this. And, uh, you know, for better or worse, I'm still one of those crazy liberals that believes in data. Um, uh, and, I, and I hate to speculate. Um, uh, but we don't, do know it's a small number. Um, uh, the adult population of transgender folks here in Georgia is estimated to be right around 60,000 adults. Um, so it's, it's uh, less than 1% of the population. That's still a lot. That's more than, I mean, we both, that, but we, yeah, that's more than I would have more expected than we for thought. the adult it's, population. Yeah. So, so, so it, it is, you know, it, 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 it in, in that respect, it's, it's, it, it, it is a sizable number. So, yeah, I mean, we should, frankly, we should be concerned about anything that harms or hurts the, the access to health care of any Georgian, um, regardless of how many that is. Um, but, uh, but beyond that, we, we do know that, that there will be uh, several hundred, if not several thousand families that, that will be uh, affected by this. But then in the grand scheme of things, is this actually the sort of issue that requires emergency action? during the legislative session, especially a, especially a legislative session that we had all been promised 
would focus on quote unquote kitchen table issues. Right. Um, you know, we've still got issues, a lot of issues around school funding. We've still got a lot of issues around reforming our mental health care right. system. We've still got a lot of issues of, uh, you know, uh, teacher pay and what will we do if the economy does slow down again? And how do we uh, make sure that there is equitable distribution of resources between urban and rural parts of the state? I mean, these are big, big challenges. And it's hard for you as legislators to get to those big challenges if these social issues um, uh, that really are there to just throw red meat to some voters that care about this, um, that, that should be of concern to everyone, that it takes away from the important work that needs to take place here in Georgia. And Georgia, you know, while it's still Republican controlled, uh, we are much more of a purplish state. And especially in the House, the margins between the Democrats and the Republicans, as you are well aware, Terry, is, it, it, it grows closer all the time. And so while it's a good thing that we are moving more towards some bipartisanship, um, when we can have bipartisan uh, legislation, such as the mental health uh, care bill that, that uh, came out last year and, and the work that's continuing this year, that benefits all Georgians. And I wish that we could spend more time on that and less time on these issues that actually demonize already, already marginalized uh, communities and populations. Yeah, like I, I really view... Senate Bill 140, the bill we're talking about, as a group of Republicans choosing to punch down at a very vulnerable group of families and children because they are looking for a reason to keep their base riled up. I really feel like that is very much what a lot of this is about because they're not getting folks riled up about the abortion issue anymore. There's a faction of folks who thinks that the state needs to go even further than it already has, but they're I really feel like there are a lot of folks who are doing their level best to remain relevant and to keep raising funds based on the fact that they are saying that they're going to protect Georgia children. The rhetoric that has been used is just, it's astonishingly inaccurate. I mean, talking about mutilation and sterilization, I mean, it's, 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 it's like nothing I've ever seen before, and it's, it's difficult to inject rational thought and facts and data. And I'm like you, you've got to have data. And I also think that you can't have data without narrative and you can't have narrative without data. And to try to present that and just to be cut off with, well, you're trying to sterilize and mutilate children. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very frustrating conversation. And it is a conversation that you're exactly right, has, has taken a tremendous amount of time and energy and attention, attention from lawmakers, attention from the advocacy community, and as a result of that, we're now in the final two days of the legislative session trying to figure out what we're going to do with mental health because the House sent, you know, the House has done, I think, a lot of work. Speaking of data, we're trying to really use a lot of data to figure out how we can more effectively deliver mental health services in Georgia. The Senate has now gutted that. We, you know, we're talking about, still talking about truck weights. We're still talking about hospitals and rural health care, but we're not actually accomplishing anything that we've been saying we want to accomplish, but we've been able to get the governor to sign a bill that would ban certain kinds of gender affirming care. It's, it's, it's baffling and it's very disappointing. Yes, it is. And, and it should be troubling. It should be troubling to, to everyone. Uh, and, and, and I'm glad you point that out because I think that, that those uh, beyond just those of us who care about transgender kids, 
Um, uh, the fact that, that these sorts of issues continue to take so much time um, and attention here in Georgia should be troubling to everyone. And in fact, you know, we, we did release a poll last week, um, uh, the same day that, that, the, that the House floor voted on this, that when we uh, put it out to, to likely voters in 2024, um, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, did they support or oppose legislation that would strip parents of the ability to make medical decisions for their children, including transgender children. And that's exactly what this bill is about. 66% of Georgia voters said no. They, they, they oppose that. Uh, the vast majority of them strongly opposed that. Um, 59% of Republican voters opposed that. Well, because they're, they're carrying on about parents' rights and parents. It's just so... I, I want to know, and I asked this last week, and it, this continues to frustrate me because I have been an avid supporter of uh, the gay pride parade. I've been on a float myself, and I, I'm always excited when I see big corporations there like MailChimp and Home Depot and Warner Media and you name it, Coca-Cola. They're all just, you know, beating their chest with their rainbow flag. And I have not seen any corporate advocacy for this, speaking out. What's your take on this? And are you lobbying these corporations? We, we do. We, 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 we work with them all the time. Um, I, I do believe that there was uh, uh, lobbying efforts that did take place uh, behind the scenes that may not have been as big in public. Uh, you know, frankly, you did not see a whole lot of public activity from the Medical Association of Georgia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The larger medical institutions uh, here in Georgia as well. Um, I, 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 I honestly believe that they were involved with this. I cannot speak to what they did or their rationale uh, for not being a bit more public um, with this. Um, I, I, I think it's unfortunate. It's I don't know if it changed things. Or, or, or not. Um, I, you know, we have seen this. Uh, you know, there's been over 400 uh, anti-LGBTQ bills introduced around the country. I believe I saw a statistic earlier today that just within the last 48 hours, uh, a number of bills similar to Senate Bill 140 have been signed into law. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, like, look, you're not going to pray the gay away. <laughs> I mean, no, people are not. going, you know, so it's just, well, what can we do? How can we encourage our listeners to be activists for this? Because, you know, my biggest worry is like, if you are trans, I mean, I just know from, from my friends that are gay or like go places and I feel like there is just such a bigger target on their back. And now if you're trans, forget it. It's just like, how do we fight harder? How, how do we get this to more people understand what's really happening here? Yeah, so so certainly, um, you know, if, if if you are a parent or know of a parent of a transgender uh, child, I would encourage them to be involved with organizations like PFLAG or Transparent USA. These are two national organizations with really strong, good Georgia affiliates. Um, I, you know, even if you feel very supported. Um, in loving your child, even if your kid feels very supported in having parents and a medical team, um, 
uh, connecting with these organizations, especially over the next couple of months, um, I think that they will be a hub of um, good educational resources on what is going on uh, as as this bill, uh, as this law is, is implemented. That's so helpful because that's, yeah, that's one of the things that was very, very concerning to those of us who were speaking against this in committee and from the floor is, you know, knowing that, knowing that trans children or, you know, children who are, are, are trying to figure out their, their gender identity and maybe their sexual identity, but they're watching this and they know that they're being spoken about in, in, in that way. It's so, it's so concerning. Even, even, even the kids who I know personally, who I know have the most supportive families, who I know have every resource available to them as far as their mental and emotional health is concerned, it's still got to be tremendously awful to know that you're being spoken about by people who have never even met you, never even met your family, who, who, you know, I don't know if erasure is the right term, but just, but just to, just, there's no dignity in being spoken about that way, no matter how supportive and loved you are. Yeah. And, and, and to, to try to address some of that, um, uh, Georgia Equality and uh, the national organization, the Trevor Project, the Trevor Project is a national suicide prevention organization that really focuses on LGBTQ youth. Um, and uh, we're going to be launching a, a social media campaign uh, just highlighting and amplifying the resources of the Trevor Project um, so that kids, um, whether kids are in a supportive family or unfortunately those kids uh, who may not have a supportive family or who are afraid to come out to their to their family out of fear of what that reaction may be. Um, we want to make sure that they are fully aware of the resources of the Trevor Project, um, 24-hour hotline, um, so that uh, so that they can kids can get the direct help they need. Kids of all ages, um, so you know, kids, adolescents, young adults, um, who we know and very concerned that that they are having. Uh, se- severe trauma of having these debates about their lives, these lives being told about them. So, so uh, even though we're an advocacy organization, uh, we want to kind of fill some of this gap in uh, to, to use some of our resources and, and our social media channels. We, we have some of the, the larger social media presence of LGBT groups uh, here in Georgia to just get the word out about those, those resources. And then finally, you know, and this, this is a plug for Georgia Equality. Those of you who are really concerned about supporting the LGBT community, I encourage you to, to sign up for our Action Alert Network. You can do that on our website, georgiaequality.org. Um, and and uh, frankly, our emails, our Action Alerts are the best way of finding out what is going on. Um, I, certainly during the legislative session, but we're active year-round. Um, uh, we still will be pushing for a passage of non-discrimination ordinances in right. local communities around the state. Uh, and, and people can get plugged in that way. Um, we will be launching a youth engagement program and a faith engagement program in the coming months. And people can find out how to get involved with bringing speakers or getting support from our team and our staff on those issues, regardless of where you live in Georgia. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Jeff Graham, the executive Director of Georgia Equality, more information, georgiaequality.org. We really appreciate you taking the time, and mostly we appreciate all your advocacy and all the work that you've done for this community. 
Uh, you are needed and you are loved and you are really helping a lot of people get through some stuff. Thanks, Merritt. Thanks, Terry. I appreciate it. Thank you for everything, Jeff. All right. I learned a lot there. That was really very eye-opening and it is important to have those conversations. So thanks for helping to book uh, Jeff. He is an amazing, amazing, amazing person, an incredible advocate, and he's just so constant and steady and he's so respected at the yeah, Capitol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, I learned a lot and especially the amount of trans people in the state of Georgia. I mean, that was a statistic, like I didn't know that. And it was also interesting to know, like not having the data, not not actually knowing. So it's just, you know, with all the stuff we talked about at the top of the show, as far as like what me- mental health, health care, truck weight, like all these things that 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 are like nine one one issues. Yeah. Uh this is suddenly like, you know, just gets through the door, you know, like with front wing, and center, ooh, sign sealed delivered. Wings and a prayer. Literally a prayer. They're gonna pray on it. Okay. The one good thing, we do not pray in the public health committee before we have meetings, which is oh. good because at least we don't have to like ask the Lord to bless I, I just find that <laughs> we also do very good we do very good work in that committee but then we have you know bills like this and it's like I'm glad we at least didn't have to bring about this before I mean we did it's it. just it's just it's I don't know I don't know how I don't understand how pretty much everybody like the person that sponsored that bill um you know I looked up his bio and it's like in the bio Christian conservative patriot and I hate to say that. It's like, I, I feel like they're an insult to the people who are true Christians, you know, because that's about loving each other and, you know. And if God, if you are truly created in God's image and you're perfect in his image, then they don't need to be trying to fix these people. But yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, we'll get to the final segment of our of our show. And that is what we're raving about this week. Um, what are you raving about this week? A little late to the game, but I'm going to talk about the show Poker Face. Oh yeah, it's uh, great. I love. I've been a huge Natasha Leone fan ever since the slums of Beverly Hills days. Oh right. Oh my God, I think she is very, very, very funny. I also always loved Columbo and other proceed. You know, mystery procedurals. If I need, like, I'm probably gonna crack open an Agatha Christie book on my Kindle this weekend, just because like that's like a good mystery is like my palate cleanser. Wow. And and, and I, uh, Poker Face is so fun and so. It is fun. It's so well cast. Like very, very, very. Like the cameos are are a riot. Like Chloe Sevigny as as a has been metal singer. It's really good. Yes, I've only seen the first one. That is on the Peacock Network for yes, everybody to, on lo- to watch. It's and I excellent. love her. I love her. I loved her on Orange Is the New Black, which was great. You watched Orange Is the New I Black. I did not watch Orange Is the wow. New Black. I, I tried. There, I also have not. I I tried watching Succession. Um, you know, because I know a lot of people love that show and the final season is starting and I watched a couple episodes. I was like, I don't like any of these people. I'm you not going to give them any more of my time. You have to really stick with it. I'm, I am very excited for that. And uh, that was one of my things I'm raving about this week, but everybody is. So I'm going to rave about the show Daisy Jones and the oh, Six. Oh, yes. That's on my list. And the did book is on my list. No, the book okay. is on my list too. So I didn't read the book and I wish I did. I'm mad that I didn't read it because I always like to read a book and then when they make a show, I, I, I always feel like I, I'm smarter than you because I read the book. That's obnoxious. 
But you do that too. Like if you, listen, you've read like every book and then it's always, you you feel better like, oh yeah, I read the book. I like reading the book, but I also, I also like the book and the adaptation are two very different things. Totally. Like, okay, Station Eleven, perfect example of that. I didn't read that book, but watched the show. Yeah, Station, I read the book when it came out, absolutely loved the book. The show, absolutely loved the show. The show is not true to the book. It's okay because it's still a really good show. Yeah, I didn't love that show. How about that? I did not love it. I thought it was, oh, it was okay. There was one episode where I'd like at the end, I did cry. I had a good cry. Um, So if you're in the mood for like apocalyptic series, that's a good one. I like The Leftovers. The better, I love that's totally different than the book too, but also really good. Yeah, and, that, and indifferent, and it's okay. You can yeah. be based on a book, Handmaid's Tale. Although I'm not into, I'm not that. I've tried watching this current season of The Handmaid's oh, Tale, and I'm you not. You gotta stick. Oh, that's I know that's my favorite. What, we're about halfway through. I gotta stick with it, but yeah, stick with it. I will. Ted Lasso's back. Yeah, I, I haven't watched it that yet, but right now Daisy Joe's in the six. So as we're recording this, I'm so excited for the final two episodes. So if you loved like almost famous. Okay. Um, it's kind of like that. And the band, I think, is loosely based on Fleetwood Mac. Oh, that's so cool. It's, and it makes me sad that Riley Keough, you know, Lisa Marie's daughter, yes. is the star of it. And she's so good. And I've seen her in a lot of other things. She's an incredible actress. And it just kind of makes me sad, but oh, I, I love God, the show. Because it is sad. I love That's... the show. All right. Anything else we need to talk about this week that we need to be active about, Terry, besides, uh, you know, I don't know. We need to get on the case about these chairs. The chairs, uh, man. No, and I and, and that's the problem. The chairs are an issue, um, <laughs> especially if you are not six feet tall and maybe it's really bad for your posture because you're trying to type on your computer, but your chair is really low, but you're afraid to spin the chair too much because you don't want to fall off your chair. Do people in the press room have the same chairs or you have fancy chairs? I've never been in the press room. I don't know. I would bet they have better chairs. Are you allowed in there or is that like just procedure? You don't go in there and be like, you don't go there. Okay. You're like, what's up, Raul Bali? Like, none of that. I wave. Okay. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. No, but no, we don't. It's, you know, I don't want to violate that inner sanctum of the yeah, press. Yeah, I like, like it. I, 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 I respect I, the press, and they don't probably want any, they probably don't want house members up in their business. Like, what are you guys writing about? I'm, oh, I'm sure there are plenty of them that do get in their business. I yeah. mean, I would oh, imagine. And this is the best part of the legislative session. Maya Prabhu is going to be dropping her best dress list this week. <gasps> oh, my God. Are you, like, you've been campaigning for this hard. I'm not that thirsty, Mara, but I'm kind of thirsty. <laughs> You've been a little thirsty I've for always, this. I've also nominated a ton of people over the years. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're just like pleather Tuscadero. Well, there are some strong contenders in this freshman class of men too, because the men, it's like, it's like sometimes like, oh, that guy's suit fits. Okay, she, he's on the list. But okay. no, there are some- oh, right, because there are people coming in for who probably never wear a suit and they wear a suit for 40 days. It's the right. same suit. Right, but then suit. there are some folks I'm like, man, that's a nice suit. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So, well, that that that's something to look forward this to this week also. And then, who knows? Maybe my prediction will be right, and we'll have the grand jury okay. report on Friday afternoon. We'll see. My my nickname for you just went right by. I'm so proud of Pleather Tuscadero. <laughs> Tuscadero. You get the reference, I, right? Yes, Pinky Tuscadero. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> okay. All right then. Uh, on that note, uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. 